Hello and welcome back to the 20 Minute Fitness Podcast. This is episode number four. Today's episode marks the second in our body composition series. So let's start by recapping what we talked about last week. And last week we discussed what the body is comprised of, what is the body really made of. And we split our body into fat and fat-free mass. And doing this is called the two-compartment model. And this is the basic sort of model of body composition. And it neglects things like your your bones and everything like that, which is included in the three-compartment model. And in our discussion, we included adipose tissue or fat tissue, which is made up of visceral and subcutaneous fat. And we also explored skeletal muscle. So I really hope you learned something last week. I really enjoyed um, exploring it myself. And um, now that we have a basic understanding of body composition, in this episode, I want to talk about how to track changes to our body as we begin to work out and eat right. Once again, I am your host, Charlie, and I'll be rambling on to you about the various methods we can use to measure how our body composition changes and the various advantages and disadvantages of each method. I should say that we have just posted on our ShapeScale blog um, a article called The Ultimate Guide to Fitness or track, uh, Tracking Your Progress or Fitness Tracking, and that covers lots of what we're going to talk about today in um, great depth as well, so head on over there if you want to read about this as well. Um, and also don't forget, you can follow ShapeScale on our various social media channels. For example, um, our Twitter is at shape underscore scale. Our Instagram is at ShapeScale, and our Facebook is Shaping. So let's first talk about how we can track weight loss and weight gain, which really is monitoring changes to our body composition at the most basic level. And we'll begin with the common bathroom scale. So recording your progress using an ordinary scale isn't really as simple as hopping on and, you know, taking a mental note of your weight and then doing it again in a week or anything like that, um, it is made more complicated due to a number of reasons, really. And the overriding issue with uh, using just a scale to measure your body composition changes is the fact that there's so many inaccuracies and discrepancies caused by daily body weight fluctuations, and we'll go into this in more depth shortly. So the best way really to minimise inconsistencies and um, any discrepancies with a bathroom scale is to actually take an average of your weekly weight. So weigh yourself every day and actually record and track your progress with your weekly average. And record this weekly average in a notebook or in an app such as Weight Drop. You can look that up on the App Store and that makes a nice graphical illustration of how your weight changes over time. Or you could use a trend weight, which is another um, graphical illustration software uh, found on the internet. But as mentioned, we um, track our weekly weight due to fluctuations in our body weight. But why do these fluctuations exist? So the water levels vary, as we discussed last week, in our body due to hydration levels and the different foods you've been eating. And it's affected by a number of different factors. Some of the foods you eat can actually cause an increase in salt intake and your body absorbs more water to balance out the sodium concentrations. And SF Gate actually say that consuming 400 milligrams of sodium, which is about the amount in a uh, single gram of table salt, 
causes your body to retain an extra four cups of water, which is about two pounds. So you can really see the um, effect of, you know, uh, foods that retain salt in the body on your, uh, on your body weight. Also, eating a high level of carbohydrates can cause greater water retention. Um, your body actually converts carbohydrates into glycogen, which is stored in the muscles for energy. And for every gram of glycogen stored in the muscles, you again gain around 2.7 grams of water. And some foods also have what is known as a higher gut residue, meaning they stay in your, your bowels for longer before they're digested. And therefore, when you weigh yourself in the morning, it can seem like you put on more weight just because they haven't gone through your system as quickly as other foods. So the reason we um, take our weekly weight is to minimize these fluctuations, because uh, if you're taking an average, um, there's going to be, you know, everything's going to be taken into consideration. And the other things you can do to try and minimize these inconsistencies is... Um, Make sure you weigh yourself first thing in the morning after you've woken up and after you've gone to the bathroom. You should also try and weigh yourself with as little clothing as possible or similar clothing each time. You should also try to weigh yourself at a similar time in the morning. So it's not just when you wake up, weigh yourself. Because if you've slept until 9am one day, you'll have actually burnt more calories already um, if you, than if you woke up at 7am and, and weighed yourself because you still burn calories whilst you're asleep. Um, so as you can see, obviously, there are a lot of disadvantages and advantages of tracking only your weight loss and gain with a bathroom scale. Um, however, the advantages are, you know, they're accessible, they are cheap. The chances are you're, you have one, your friend has one, you know, or you can get to one very easily. You can also track your changes in your the comfort of your own home. You don't need to go anywhere. You don't need to have any tests done. And also, if you follow up my advice of the weekly um, the weekly weight average, albeit there are more accurate methods to ensure progression, the scale can be an indicator of you moving in the right direction. For example, if your body weight in general is decreasing and your goal is to um, lose body fat, then, you know, if your body weight average is decreasing over time, then you can really assume you are moving in the right direction. But as I said, disadvantages include things like the fluctuations and the fact that the scales can't differentiate between fat and muscle. So if you've been training hard and you've been working to lose body fat, but you see your weight increase, you might actually start to feel quite demotivated. You know, you put in all this effort for no reward. Um, and this is actually one of the reasons why ShapeScale was founded, because our founder, um, our co-founder, Alex, um, he, you know, he put, put on a bit of weight and he wanted to, uh, to lose this and get back in shape. So he began to exercise really hard, train really hard. And um, he got back on the scale and he was feeling great about himself, but the scale actually showed that his weight had gone up and he got quite demotivated from this. But then he began to realise he'd actually put on muscle. A muscle is more dense than fat and so it weighs more. Um, so he'd lost body fat percentage, but he'd actually gained lean mass. And that's why ShapeScale exists really to this day. And we'll discuss more about ShapeScale later. <clears throat> right, uh, on to a sort of smart scale. So you've got your your Fitbit ARIA scale, your any Wi-Fi scale um, that uses bioimpedance. 
and they usually offer body fat percentage measurements. And so this is a step up from tracking your body composition changes um, just purely by looking at uh, your weight um, because to some extent these scales can differentiate between body fat percentage and muscle mass. Um, however, there are still numerous problems with these scales. Um, but, you know, having said that, if your goal is to cut body fat and you take the average over a week of your body fat percentage that's being presented to you and that is decreasing, you can probably presume you are uh, making the changes to your body that you are you're trying or you're achieving your goals. And uh, this is actually done by bioimpedance and basically a very small electrical current travels through your body and it flows faster through water and muscle than it does bone and fat. And the scale will, will measure the speed of that current and then it uses a formula to calculate body fat percentage. And we'll go into more depth than that when we discuss devices like the in-body and uh, tanita scales. So again, the advantages are, you know, relatively inexpensive, do it in the comfort of your own home, you don't need any skill to be able to do it or get on. Uh, the Nokia scales actually link to your phone, so you can have all your data on your phone. Um, but the disadvantages are, they often have a very high margin of error, and that's up to 5%. Um, so you can see really why still not an ideal metric to use to measure your the changes to your body fat sorry to your body composition and then we get to uh bmi which was actually once renowned as you know the way to track your body composition or your your health really and bmi is measured by considering a person's height and weight the bmi calculation splits people into four categories those that are underweight with a score less than 18.5 those that are a normal weight between 18.5 and 24.9, and individuals that are overweight, 25 to 25.9, and then obese individuals with a score of 30 or higher. And the reason why BMI is so flawed is because it doesn't take into consideration someone's bone, muscle, or fat proportions. So a sort of a muscular athletic body type with little body fat is more likely to show up overweight, according to BMI, and someone who actually has relatively little, little lean muscle and more body fat. And again, because muscle is more dense than fat. So there's obviously lots of inaccuracies with BMI. Um, you can work it out very easily yourself, though, because most people do have a rough idea of what their height and weight is. There's also all sorts of BMI calculators online that are very accessible. So we'll now move on how to something more interesting and something more accurate, really. Um, how to calculate and track changes to your fat and lean mass, um, which is really what we're interested in when we uh, look more in depth at body composition rather than just weight. Because as I've talked about, there are a lot of uh, disadvantages to just considering your weight. So how often should you calculate your body fat, really? And it's commonly claimed that a pound of body fat is equivalent to 3,500 calories. So if you're looking to lose one pound of body fat a, uh, a week, sorry, um, you should be in a 3,500 calorie deficit by the end of the week, which is 500 calories a day. Uh, so obviously you can 
measure your body fat percentage weekly, really. And if you are in these deficits, you should be slowly decreasing your body fat percentage each week. Um, obviously, if you're looking to use devices like the DEXA then to, to you measure your body composition, then this isn't really... Um, this isn't really a, an applicable method because we will discuss the disadvantages, but they're not very accessible, they're expensive, and yes, as I said, t- I mean, Team Shape, we had to travel 40 to 60 minutes away to get a DEXA scan, so this is more for tracking your body fat percentage with a, a scale like Shape Scale or a Smart Scale. But onto our first uh, utensil or instrument to measure body fat or lean mass, and they are skin calipers. And body fat calipers measure your skin folds to calculate how much subcutaneous fat someone has underneath their skin. And the measurements are based on the assumption that a person gains adipose tissue, fat tissue, um, as a person gains that sorry that fat tissue. Um, the increase in your skin fold thick thickness is proportional to the additional fat weight. And obviously we know this isn't strictly true because we know adipose tissue also contains uh, visceral fat, not just subcutaneous fat. However, skin caliper tests can be quite accurate to measure your body fat, uh, sorry, your body composition and the, and you know, can be used as quite an accurate measure to track your changes to your body uh, composition if they are done by an expert and research states that an individual should have conducted around 50 to 100 tests before they can be classed as competent and again you'd have to visit the same expert um, to make sure you're getting consistent results um, if you're using skin calipers to track your body composition and if he is an expert then you'd be looking at a margin of error from as little as 2.3 to 5 percent <clears throat> so there are many different online calculators you can use that will allow you to punch in the measurements you've taken and these will give you an estimate of your body fat percentage. Generally you'll be taking three measurements at the chest, on the thigh and the abs and um, you will want to take each measurement about three times and take the average to ensure the most consistent result. Also a lot of um skin calipers come with uh, charts you can use that will help you assess what your body fat percentage will be based on your skin folds, based on the millimetre skin fold readings you uh, obtained. So again, this is a a cost-effective method of um, tracking your body composition. Uh, If you go for a cheaper skin caliper, which is like an AccuMeasure, very cheap, um, however, they can get up to about $500 if you want to go for the very best uh, instruments. Again, you can uh, track your progress anywhere. These are small devices. You know, you, if you want to track your body composition changes as you're on holiday, if you're, you know, if you know you're trying to, you're going to be eating a lot, and you want to try and main, you know, maintain some sort of um, some sort of equilibrium to where you are at now, then you might want to take that with you and just do you know, readings every so often to make sure you're not deviating too far from where you are. Um, the disadvantages are that uh, not only can they be up to $500, but um, if it's not an expert taking the reading, if it's someone, if you're if you're doing the reading yourself, it's not going to be very accurate because you, each time you do it, you'll be grabbing a different amount of subcutaneous fat 
Uh, and so it's advised actually, instead of working out your body fat percentage from that, to just measure the difference each week in skinfold reading, the skinfold millimeter reading. And locating the exact location to pinch the skin, how much to grab, is obviously extremely difficult. Um, then we'll go on to using a tape measure to calculate body fat percentage. So a tape measure really can be used as a multi-purpose tracking tool. Um, it will allow you to keep note of different aspects of your body, so your mass and your um, body fat percentage. So you can get a friend to help you measure a few circumferences around your body and then use an online calculator on bodybuilding.com or any, on, any other sites to help you get an estimate of your body fat percentage. The key measurements you're really looking to take are your wrist, your hip and your forearm circumferences. You can also include your waist if you want to um, add more accuracy to the calculations. Alternatively, on our blog that we talked about, um, the Ultimate Guide to Tracking Progress, we've um, put in the formulas for you, so you can head over to the blog and uh, just use our formulas to help you calculate your body fat percentage. Um, yeah, so you can also use your tape measures to track muscle growth. Um, and obviously many people train to increase their muscle mass, and so by taking a measurement of your circumference or your muscle girth, you should be able to track whether your muscle is growing. Um, the question of how often you should do this is quite tricky because if you're new to the gym, if you're in the newbie gains phase, as it's called, you'll be gaining skeletal muscle at a much faster rate than someone who's quite an experienced lifter who's been lifting for a while. So they might want, you know, if you're new, you might want to measure your results once every week or once every two weeks, whilst if you've been lifting for a long time, you will probably be looking at measuring your, your mu muscles every month or so. Some studies have quoted muscle gains of around four to seven pounds in three months, and you know muscle gains rarely exceeding 0.5 pounds a week. So you, you don't have to measure as often as your body fat percentage. So you can though measure, to if you want to know if you're gaining muscle mass, if you're gaining lean mass, you can measure your biceps, you can measure your waist, your hips, your thighs, your calves, your forearm, your chest, your shoulders, all sorts. If you're working on a particular muscle group, you could use your tape measure to see if your training is actually paying off. Advantages include cheap, very accessible. If you combine your results of your muscle girth measurements with your body fat percentage measurements from the tape measure, you'll be able to get an understanding as to whether you're actually gaining muscle or fat. Um, your muscle girth statistics obviously should be up and your body fat should be down. However, there are, there's questionable accuracy when using a, uh, a tape measure because there's things like different tension on the tape, the correct landmarking, which involves you know finding the correct anatomical sites for measurement. Uh, we tell you on our blog again how to take these measurements. There's variations in girth measurements of your muscles due to your glycogen content, what you've eaten, the hydration levels of your muscles, because obviously last week we explored that your skeletal muscle is 60 to 20, uh, to 80% water, and it's often very difficult to measure by yourself. So I'm afraid that is actually all we have time for. We're coming up to the 20 minute mark. We will pick up next week um, on a few more methods um, on how to track your body composition, including hydrostatic weighing, uh, the bod pod, a shape scale, 
and then we'll be the the week after we'll be looking at goal setting and how to know whether you should um, be looking to gain mass or lose body fat and what you want to do with your body composition basically. I hope you enjoyed and don't forget to give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or even give, it, give us a listen to on, sorry, on SoundCloud and yes, yeah, remember to share us with your friends.